Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we this morning? How are we this morning? Yes, that's better. I want to hear some energy and some excitement from people. We're here worshipping God together. Oh, I won't stand there. It's exciting to be here. We should be excited for our salvation because we have a hope that's not in this world, but that's in, in heaven for eternity. Now, what's unbelievable to me is that it's currently November, well, November what, 12th? 12th? 13th, sorry, 13th. Crazy. The end of the year. So I set this... I set this uh, yearly site every kind of November, October. I start planning the year, you know, for the next year. And I remember about this time last year planning this growth series. And I can't believe it's come to an end. This is the last message in our growth series. And we've divided growth into four components. We had prepping the soil, sowing the seeds, we had pruning, and we had tending. Now, the idea of growth is that we would grow. Like the image you remember in Psalm 1 of that tree that's like the river and it's bearing fruit. That, that was the whole point of this sermon series over these 12 months is that we would learn some fundamentals to be fruitful trees, to be people who are growing. But I was thinking about it when coming to tending. is like, well, what's the point? What's the point of getting up and praying, reading the Bible? What is the, the point of living this spiritual life? Yeah, that's a question I've been thinking about quite a lot of late. And I want to use a secular example. Now, there's a gym just up here at the Element Center called Uversion 2.0. What do you think is the implication of that? What is Uversion 2.0 saying? Does someone want to shout it out? What are they implying with their gym? All about me. All about me. But that 2.0, what are they saying? What are they saying? Second chance. They're saying that your current version, 1.0, there's something wrong with you. You need a 2.0 or maybe a 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, you know. We need, but, but people do this all the time, don't we? we? We set goals. And if you're a goal setter, you've probably heard of the acronym SMART goals. Have you heard of that? You set goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And why do people set goals? If you set goals for study, for work, for exercise, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make yourself better. Yeah. And so all that's a roundabout way of saying, well, what is the point of spiritual disciplines? The ultimate goal is to make ourselves better. As human beings, we're created in the image of God. And do you know the secret to being fully human? What's the secret to being a fully human image bearer of God? What's the secret? Someone want to shout that out? Don't be shy. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Sue, top marks. I thought people would say relation with God. The Holy Spirit. That's brilliant. Someone's, yeah. Have you been reading my notes? Yeah, checking out my notes. The Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. When 
in Genesis chapter 2, when it describes the making of human, it's like God's like this potter on the ground getting the dust together. And he gets this dust and he breathes life into it. And then in John 20, when Jesus is resurrected, he is talking to his disciples and he does something similar. He, he breathes on his disciples. This idea, the Spirit makes us fully human. Now, what's, what's really cool in the Old Testament, there's this close link between God's Spirit and renewing not only people, but creation. So there's this idea, the Spirit brings this transformation. And so, in reflecting on my question about what's the point of prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, all these spiritual disciplines, it's actually not necessarily for the here and now, it's preparing us for the end. And at the beginning of this tending series, I quoted from the Apostle Paul from 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise to the present life and the life to come. Now, in keeping with the theme of growth and gardening, I focus on today. What's that hope that we have? We're going to use a bit of a tree image. Oh, there it is. Now, here we go. Classic verse from Revelation. Now, this isn't a trick question. Revelation 2, 7. Whoever has, ears to, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So according to Revelation 2, 7, what is the hope of our promise? What's part of the end promise? It's not a trick question. Where can we eat from? tree of life okay they might seem a bit pie in the sky a bit out there this kind of okay a tree of life cool what does that look like what does that look like fast i mentioned earlier that the holy spirit in the old testament was seen as linking no we're not linking as um, recreating humans and creation what that means the tree of life Think about the very best of the very best on this earth. Now, at that time in, when John wrote Revelation, food was rare. We have shops. Has anyone ever woken up and gone, ah, oh, I have no milk? And what do we do? Go to the shops. We don't think, oh, no, I've run out of milk. That's it. I'm not drinking milk until I milk the cow. Or you run out of fruit and think, oh, no, I'm not going to have apples for the next six months. We, we live in a very blessed world, a world where we can have whatever we want. But at this time, when food was scarce, when you had a drought, when you had floods, pestilence, food could vanish like that. So this image saying, hey, guess what? One day you're going to eat from this tree of life. You're never going to be deprived of anything ever again but the reality is is that we still live oops, in a broken fallen world why we need to pursue spiritual disciplines now is because we need to remind ourselves sometimes of what god has in store for us now if you decide today i want to go and run a marathon and you've never done any running training before you just don't get up and run 42.2 kilometers. You build up 
little goals. And those little goals are really helpful for seeing how you're tracking, how, what your progress is. Or if you're buying a house, you put a deposit on the house, don't you? You don't, well, you don't just. Some people could if you have money, but most people will put a deposit on a house. You don't just get that house instantly. And in a similar way, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. He is a first fruit. Now, a first fruit, um, there's lots of definitions of it, but we'll start with a simple one. The first fruit is the first part of something, say a harvest. The first fruits are the first part of that harvest, which is to come. And so for us who see our end goal, our end goal is to get to new heavens, new earth, resurrection, to eat from that tree of life, perhaps we can lose focus on that. And Paul here in Romans chapter 8, which is just this phenomenal chapter, this chapter which God talks about the Spirit's victory, about the Spirit being present with us. He actually says here, this is from verse 23, it says, um, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Simple words, powerful, very, very powerful. If if you know your Old Testament, you probably may have heard that word first fruits come up. And first fruits is usually something that humans give to God as a way to offer a sacrifice to remember God's blessings. But here Paul flips it. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Our first fruits are the first part of something greater to come. What's Paul saying? Hey, we've just got a snapshot. We've got this little image of what God's Spirit is going to do in the future. And if you read the prophets like Isaiah, he talks about till the Spirit is poured on on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field will seem like a forest. That is the idea he's talking about. Hey, this Spirit who comes is going to transform this planet. Not only the desert will become a fertile field and the fertile field will seem like a forest, more importantly, the Lord's justice will dwell. His righteousness will be here. That's what he's going to do. And Paul is now saying, we have a snapshot of that. That moment we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and the Spirit comes upon us, we've got a snapshot of that. A signpost, so to speak. It's not the destination. It's a sign of what is to come. Let me use a, it's a pretty imperfect illustration, but when we're in lockdown and we couldn't see our friends and family, how do we communicate? What do we use? We use phone calls, we use Zoom, Skype, FaceTime. It's a way of staying present with the people, with your friends and family, but it's not the same, is it? But when you actually could see them, when you could actually physically be in their presence, when you could hug them, that made it so much more worthwhile. And in an imperfect, illustrative way, this is what the first fruits are like. We've got a snapshot of what God has done for us. And imagine what that's going to be like when it comes into fruition. And Paul, he's going on and saying, hey, guess what? If you have that spirit in you, that first fruits, it's going to be something in your spirit. You're going to not feel quite right about this world. In fact, you're going to be groaning 
inwardly. You're going to recognize that there's something deeply wrong with this world. Oh, I can sense it. My, my joints are aching. My spirit is broken. I just see pain and devastation around me. That's what the spirit does. It gives you this recognition that something isn't right. In fact, pursuing those spiritual disciplines, she makes us more aware of this. Hey, guess what? One day, when we have the Holy Spirit in us completely and fully and utterly, we will see this redemption completely. This is why we pursue becoming more spiritual, because we have an end goal to look forward to. And again, in keeping with that theme of fruit, uh, the most famous passage in all of Scripture about the Spirit and bearing fruit comes from the book of Galatians. Just that wonderful reminder. This is who we're meant to be as Christians. This is what we're meant to pursue as people of God. And such famous words. I'll read it there right now. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul, when he wrote the, the book of Galatians, he wrote it to a church that was being told, hey, in order to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the Sabbath. You have to follow Torah. And Paul here spends a whole chunk of Galatians saying, hey, no, 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 that's wrong. Jesus is enough. You need to be spiritual people. And just like a tree, a tree just left on its own devices, it just bears fruit. Apple trees produce apples because it's an apple tree. Orange trees produce oranges because it's an orange tree. So in the same way, those who are filled with the Spirit, this should be the characteristics. This should be the hallmark of believers. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you start to see those fruits bear within you, you're given a closer snapshot of what life will be like when Jesus comes. Friends, that's why we're called to grow as trees. Like Sue said, we are fully human when we have the Spirit within us. The more we become closer to God, the more we develop our fruit, the more we become aware of the Spirit who is living and active and present within us. It's a better snapshot for what God is going to give us, that promise on that day when he returns. And I can't do a sermon without linking the Old Testament to the New. And so that passage I read out in Isaiah 32, a number of commentators have noticed that there's a connection between Isaiah 32 and Galatians chapter 5. In fact, some commentators are convinced that's probably the passage Paul had in mind when he read out, when he listed these nine virtues, was Isaiah 32. Thinking, hey, like Paul here is now, he's, he's seeing what, God, what Jesus has done with the Spirit. He thinks back, hey, that's what Isaiah foretold. He foretold this time where there will be this fruit of righteousness being born. And guess what? You Christians, you are part of that promise as well. 
Now, let's face it. Life is difficult. Life is challenging at times. Life on the spiritual journey, it's interesting Jesus described it as a narrow road because it is hard. It is challenging. And one of the things that I always go back to exercise, I find that's a helpful illustration for the spiritual life. One of the things about exercise is that you have to set your overriding goal. So I want to run 10Ks at this time, but you have those little micro goals along the way because it's easy to slip off. It's easy to sort of lose focus. And setting the big overarching goal with those little micro goals is, okay, I want to run 10Ks by December, but by June I want to be able to run 5Ks. By August, 7Ks, and so forth. The spiritual life is the same. We know our end goal. Our end goal is one day we're going to be on this earth. We're going to be able to eat from that tree of life. But we can forget that sometimes. We can lose sight of the bigger picture. And so those daily spiritual disciplines, the sowing, the, I should say the preparing, the sowing, the pruning, and the tending is all part of that. Perhaps for you, the tree of life, it seems like a, hmm, uh, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool to be able to eat from that. But one commentator, Eric Gilchrist, he notes that, okay, perhaps the tree of life, it may not be offering the answers to your questions about food, about where you're going to get your next meal from. But the tree of life, it's a source from God and offers an abundance that extends beyond food in every area of our life. In fact, John's vision of the new Jerusalem is a reminder that God is a God of abundance with nourishment available in all seasons and at all times. We have different challenges. How are we going to pay the mortgage this month? How about enough prep time for my next exam? Am I spending enough time with my kids? That's what the tree of life answers. All pre uh, every scarcity, everything that we're desiring in this world, God will bring that when we can eat from the tree of life. So if that's our end goal, if that is our hope, we should expectantly, daily, want to pursue becoming spiritual people and be fruit bearers that reflect Jesus more and more. And to close, I'm going to do something a little bit unusual actually going to stand up now and going to pray together. Now, have you, have, may, you may have heard of A.W. Tozer. He was a famous commentator. And apparently, this was the prayer that he prayed each and every day. Such beautiful words. So let's actually now pray together as a church. And I'll lead us off. Let's start together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more, Lord Jesus. I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate 
and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Center Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.